My name's Sharice Kenyon and this is the Beauty Me podcast. I've been a hair and beauty journalist for about 15 years and I thought it was about time I created my own platform so I could talk all about beauty without the BS. While there's plenty of room for product recommendations, I'm also all about the daily routines, traditions and lifestyle paths that make us all approach beauty differently. Hi guys, how's your week been? I've just been working on some extra content for you. I'm going to be doing a little beauty buzz soon about the new documentary Toxic Beauty. So it'd be great if you could let me know if you've actually watched it. So find me on Instagram and let me know. Um, in the meantime, this week's guest is Deja Ayodele. Deja recently opened her new boutique skincare space in um, Maida Vale. It's called West Room Aesthetics. But she's been highly respected within the skincare community for many years. She's a face I've seen around a lot. She's actually really funny as well. She is also the founder of the Black Skin Directory, which is basically an online platform that black men and women can go to if they're looking for a skincare professional or dermatologist that's experienced in caring for darker skin. So this is the first of two episodes, actually. And in this one, we're talking about growing up with a strict family ethos that was more about grooming and looking respectable than being girly and wearing makeup. And Deja does share some really hilarious insights. So I'd love to know what you think. As always, I would love it if you could rate, review and subscribe to Beauty Me. And next week, you'll also be able to see the full interview with Deja over on my YouTube channel. Just search for Beauty Me with Sharice Kenyon. Until then, I hope you enjoy the show. Today we're filming out of West Room Aesthetics, which is Deja's new, well, you tell me. Well, it's my new boutique skincare space, um, specifically curated um, to serve the needs of women of colour. Deja is an aesthetician. Yes. And she is great at giving her sort of real thoughts on skincare, skin regimes, St. Ives. True. Um, so I'm looking forward to having just a good real chat with you. Yeah, so am I, yeah. Um, first of all, we're just going to start. I'm really nosy. Okay. I'd love to know, like, when you were growing up and where you were growing up, mm -hmm. what was sort of the first instance that you knew that beauty was this, this thing that perhaps women did or... Um, so, okay, so I was born in Sierra Leone, so I grew yeah. up in Sierra Leone until I was 10. And I, so I moved to England when I was 10, but I was sort of used to coming on holidays to London because we had family here. Mm -hmm. And I guess I always knew beauty was a thing because my mum had her own dressing room. And in her dressing room, she had um, shelving where she'd have all her perfumes and all her lotions. And I would, obviously, since I was a child, I remember when we maybe moved to our new house, when I was maybe about four, I would sit in there and I would see her put perfume on, you know, on her, behind her ears mm. and all that sort of stuff. Um, I would see her do her hair. Um, she always had a table with like lots of lipsticks and she would always wear lipstick. So I knew that it was, and I think I knew grooming was a thing, to, mm -hmm. to, to look presentable was a thing. Um, and also my mom went to the hairdressers every weekend. Okay. Um, and I went as well, and she would have her hair done and I'd have my hair done. Um, and she'd have her nails done at the same time, and she always had long red nails. So I always knew that grooming, I, I don't know if mm. I'd call it beauty, because yeah. I, I always knew grooming was a thing. But I also knew that it's not something that all women did, because... I know, for example, my mom's older sister, she didn't go to the salon every weekend like my mom. Mm. I mean, she still groomed herself. She yeah, presented yeah. and all that. But she didn't go to the salon like my mom. Okay. Um, and even like now, like my mom would say, send me this lipstick from MAC. And so 
I've, I think because of my mum's influence, I've always known it. And also as an African child growing up in Africa, you know, things like you wouldn't come downstairs until you were properly lotioned. Okay. So whilst, whilst it may not be beauty as we know it, mm. we knew that, you know, clean, lotioned, not looking dry and crusty mm. was... So it's know, like representation yeah, almost. Like, you know, it's like you had to wear earrings. You couldn't just sort of rock you up. Weren't with, fini- you weren't yeah, finished without Yeah, you weren't finished without mm-hmm. at least earrings. Um, because like you get your ears pierced while you're still in the hospital when you're born. Oh, right, okay. You know, so it, again, I wouldn't use t- the word beauty. I just yeah. used the word grooming. maybe grooming, well put together, looking responsible. Not embarrassing your your, yes, your it's mom. Yes, that respectability. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. it would it would reflect on your family, family. and it, it would reflect on the female members of your family. Oh, really? So it wouldn't reflect on your dad if you didn't it would look. reflect on your mum if you were looking. Yeah, if you were looking raggedy, it would be like mum or the nanny. It wouldn't be. It wouldn't. It wouldn't you be know, your dad. It wouldn't be your dad. It wouldn't be a male person. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. So, so to a certain extent, that and it's for everybody. Rich. Mm, mediocre mm. everyone had this level of of decency I'd say yeah 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 um so it wouldn't be beauty in that sense Mm. but I knew that you could make yourself look even more (laughs) groomed yeah yeah. by lipstick and all that because I'd see my mom do that yeah yeah that wasn't like an enhancement okay so when did you move to the UK I was 10 okay and so 94 okay yeah how did things, did things change when it came to like your grooming practices with your mum? Were you still going to the hairdressers every week? Um, I wouldn't say things changed because, mm. um, for example, there was a civil war in Sierra Leone. So when we moved to London, we were poor. Right. So, but back in Sierra Leone, yeah, we were, were filthy rich. Uh, <laughs> so okay. when we moved to London, like we were poor and living in a council <laughs> flat. Wow. Yeah. So we we used to come to England before when we were younger. We'd come and we'd like live in Maida Vale, Bayswater, a really lovely place. Mm. But when the Civil War hit and my family was here, <laughs> you weren't living in Maida. Yeah, we moved to Kilburn Park and okay. it was in the council flat and there was a two bedroom council flat and there was more of us than could fit in those rooms. <laughs> but anyway, it was cool. Mm. We still groomed. Right. Because my sister would still, like, on a Sunday night, plait my hair to go to school. Um, I would still be expected, you know, I would still moisturise. We Mm. still groomed. I remember seeing my sister, she'd, like, be still be doing her eyebrows and her lipstick um, in the the living room mirror. Mm -hmm. So we, where we lived or how we lived or where we had come from and come to Mm. didn't impact the fact that, we were not still going to go out there yeah. just, just because circumstances were not going to make us go yeah, out there and be yeah. like, you, you couldn't tell what our circumstances were by looking at us, Yeah, basically. Yeah, because you'd be clean, groomed, clean clothes, yeah. everything. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. So growing up in London then, did when was the sort of first time that you started to play with how you were looking? Or were you allowed to sort of start experimenting with hair um, and makeup? I think... No, I wasn't. It was quite strict. <laughs> I wasn't. Um, I've, I'd always sort of so been... There was a basic level of grooming and decency you had to do. But things like um, lipstick or like um, nail, nail polish and stuff like that, I wasn't allowed to partake in stuff like that. I do remember my year nine school photos. I had managed to sneak in some makeup. Um, what was the look? Now when I think about it... <laughs> 
I think I'd sort of j- jazzed up my lips a bit. Okay. I mean, it was visible that I had makeup on. And this is how strict it was. My sister refused to buy the photo. And she actually called the school and said, how could you let a 13-year-old <laughs> wear makeup for her school photo? I and need so, to know so how I much you have, had on. I don't have Oh, you haven't photo. got the evidence. We haven't got the evidence because, no, my sister refused to buy it. So oh. that's how strict it was. <laughs> so what, where did that strictness come from? Was it, it a was religious like, thing or no, just... No, it was just like education. You should right. not be being distracted you shouldn't be thinking about... by makeup and all yeah, that sort of stuff. Yeah. It, was, it was just cutting. Well, it's linked with attracting the boys as yeah, well, I think, as well, it isn't just, it? It's just distraction. You know, you should be facing your studies, <laughs> face your book, face your studies. And so your sister was. was like she, kind of yeah, she was being strict. a mum. Yeah, no, she was my legal guardian. She, she was and right. she's 15 years older than me. And she was just oh, like, right, we're not right. buying this photo. I don't know what you were thinking of doing or whatever. And I remember having like <laughs> all the girls would be like, go to body shop to buy yeah. mascara. And yeah. Stuff. And body shop had this clear mascara and I'd buy that. And it's like, well, everyone's got black mascara <laughs> for definition. And you've got, yeah. and you, that clear mascara, so I'm sorry. Clear mascara. No, nah, yeah, I never was got like, that. That was like my thing. And, and funny, my best friend as well, bless her, she was on it as well because her, her guardian was quite strict too. <laughs> She's like, clear mascara, <laughs> literally. Um, yes, yeah, so it was really strict. Like, I remember being told that it's when you, when you are 16, that's when you're allowed to have, um, like, maybe even nail polish or I remember my 16th birthday, my, sis, my, my, my middle sister's friend from America plucked my eyebrows, and when I, it was my 16th birthday, and when I came home, my older sister went, you better go and find those brows and put them back on. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, what do I do? <laughs> I was like, oh my God, what do I do? And it was, and my, my middle sister was like, mm-hmm, I told you about that, and you were sat there and you let Adi pluck all your eyebrows out. <laughs> now you have to go and find them. And it was strict, literally, it was strict. Like, I got my GCSE results and I got 13 A stars to B grades. And my sister was just like, those Bs could have been A's, but well done anyway. Oh, uh, that, yeah. That's how strict it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Okay, so you must have been excited to finally... Embra- or were you even interested, like, when you got I was, 16? I was always... I've always been interested in grooming. I, you know, I'd always been interested in looking good. Not necessarily sort of experimenting. I'm quite a classic mm. sort of person, I think, mm-hmm. because that's what I saw growing up. Um, my mum always had red nails. Mm. She it was always red lipstick. It was always... Her look was always complimentary to her. Yeah. Nothing was out there sort of yeah. extravagant or anything yeah. like that. So I'd always been interested in mm. that. And... I remember wanting to take a year out after my GCSEs to maybe um, do like some beauty courses. And again, it was that, what do you mean? You're going to sixth form and you're going to uni. I don't know what you mean by beauty. Mm, um, mm. So for us, it was in my household, it was always that, of course you can be interested in beauty, and but it's for somebody else to do to you, not for yeah. you to do for You're not going to do it as a career. Yeah, yeah. So um, well, was I excited? I think some, perhaps maybe some of the excitement sort of waned when mm. I did get to an age and it was like, yes, you can do this. No one's going to stop you. Mm. It was more probably more exciting when I knew that <laughs> I was trying to sneak around yeah, yeah, to yeah. do it. I think it was more yeah. exciting then. Okay. Um, and then when I was allowed to do it, maybe when I should have gone crazy and been like, okay, I'm going to mm. get green hair or mm. something. I didn't. I just wanted a nice hairstyle, yeah. my hair relaxed or something. That, that's yeah. all. I, I, I'd never wanted to be extravagant with it. Mm. So with that being said, did you ever have any 
moments that you're kind of like you wish you'd never done? Um, not really. I remember once shaving off the back of my head okay. by myself do... with my brother-in-law's clippers. What made you do that? I thought that's I quite a, like an a big thing. <laughs> or like a bob. I don't even know. Oh, was, you were trying to give me and a it, it was yeah. I was trying. I was just trying to experiment and. So, so my hair was relaxed at the top, and then okay. I shaved this bit off of the back, mm. and no one noticed for no one <laughs> noticed for a few days. Yeah, and then I was doing my homework, and my sister just came and lifted up my head. I'm like, "What have you done to your hair?" And I was like, "Oh, I just I thought I'd cut it and stuff." So yeah, um, and then I remember getting my ears pierced the second time, and again mm. that was a little another thing I sneaked in, um, <laughs> hoping that no one noticed I had two earrings. And, you know the thing you should do when you're a child, you're like that is so stupid. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. do I regret it? No. Mm. Um, I, I haven't done anything crazy. That's mm. the thing, you know. So there's there's nothing to regret really. So you've got a six year old daughter. Yeah. What do you think is going to be? How are you going to treat her? Like, is like, it I'm like really, nothing I'm, until you're I'm 16? I'm more relaxed. No, oh, no, okay. like she's already doing nail varnish. Okay. But only on school holidays. And if we're going on holiday, she can get like a pedicure and a manicure. Okay. Um, she does wear lip lip balm and lip gloss, like a, a like maybe a pearlescent lip gloss. Mm. Um, Clear mascara? No. <laughs> she does sometimes like to help me put blusher on and stuff like okay. that. So she knows about makeup and she, she sits in the bathroom. And I, like again, when I was a child, I'd sit and watch my mum. So she mm. does. But she's not, not allowed. Yeah. Um, I just say to her, I, I speak more freely to her than say my parents did mm. to me. Mm. I will say to her, you don't, you do not need this yet. I wouldn't go, you can't have that and just yeah. be like, go and let down. Yeah. It's just, oh, you don't need this. Mm. You are beautiful anyway. Mm. You're intelligent. You're clever. You can have a bit of mommy's lip gloss. And sometimes I will be the one saying, do you want some lip gloss? Yeah. You yeah. know, um, and she knows she can get her nails done. And with the day before school starts, they have to come off. Yeah, she knows yeah. that. So I'm not as strict. Mm. I think also the world has changed. Definitely. So it's not it's not the same as before. And I'm I'm confident in the fact that she's a super clever, intelligent girl. So I don't feel like she'll be distracted because mm. she's got nail polish on. Yeah, it's like for five minutes and she's forgotten. She's gonna sit it. there at school, like no, yeah. exactly. <laughs> yeah, that yeah. doesn't make any difference to yeah. me or her. I don't think. Yeah. So what about? When you were growing up or perhaps older, like, were there any outside influences? Were you ever influenced by any, like, celebrities or um, models or...? I remember, like, like I was, I was not the slimmest of children mm. growing up. But, so I, I do remember looking at models like Iman, for example, mm. and Naomi Campbell. Mm. But sort of never even wanting to emulate them or be them. Yeah. I was just like, they're a completely different person yeah. to me. And yeah. So I didn't really have, like celebrities like that that I looked mm. up to. I mean, mm. like if I wanted to get a hairstyle or something, like when I was at 16 and my hair was relaxed or even between 16 and they say mid-20s, yes, I would look at celebrities and see yeah, what kind of hairstyles yeah. they had. But I wouldn't really be influenced by them. Mm. Um, I, I don't know if it was the whole because I was made and I was naturally just focused on learning, which I still am, yeah. constantly learning. Yeah. I, I had a lot of blinkers on, so I wouldn't mm. look to outside influences. I do, one thing I do remember is because as a child, when we traveled a lot, I do remember just liking air hostesses and thinking, oh, do you, can you call them air hostesses There's, anymore? No, Cab, it's cabin some, crew. They, they yes, yeah. But I do remember thinking, so, so groomed, put together. so put together. I do remember that. Mm, mm. And, I, and I think, I again, it was that put together look that I liked. Um, 
and in terms of an image, how to look. Mm. But other than that, you know, I, I wouldn't look at celebrities and go, mm. oh, you know, emulate this person. I love Shade Adu's red mm. lips that she always had, Nene Cherry's sort of yes. long, um, curly curls, hair. Yeah. But I, I liked it. Yeah. I didn't want it, though. Yeah. So it wasn't like... Because obviously we talk so much these days about diversity and mm. representation, mm. but it seems like you weren't really looking to the outside world for inspiration or perhaps no. being seen you were focused perhaps on no i didn't i didn't other things i didn't yeah i wasn't i wasn't i, I and even now i like i like people and mm. i love what they do and mm. and all that and i can celebrate what they do mm. but it doesn't i don't look to it to guide what i'm doing yeah yeah I, and i've never been like that yeah yeah, yeah. so tell me about how you found your Oh, sorry, it's too low. So, uh, when did you get into sort of this world? Like right now, you've got your own. Um, what do you call it? Practice. Yeah, I call it a, a aesthetic skincare boutique. Okay. <laughs> but how how so long has the journey been? <laughs> how long was the journey been, and like, what did it start with to get here? Um. So. I mean, I think this journey started a long time ago when I was a child. Okay. It started from the whole sort of going to salon with my mum. And I was always sort of admired the women who did like the treatments and stuff. They were always so savvy and sassy. Mm. Always like them. Like Jeanne Marie, one of the ladies, she was always like fly girl. Okay. Like, you know, so... Um, so that started, and I remember doing things like pedicures when I was eight for my uncle. Oh, you know, my uncle. I would not yeah, do Yeah, I love doing You're pedicures. You're good. And A man's feet. Did he ha- he, but he was like, my, he's my uncle, like my dad. <laughs> so, um, yeah. <laughs> You're good. I, I just, it was just like experience. Like, you know, it's more like I'd help him clipper his toenails. Yeah, or the grooming aspect. Yeah, like again, so... So it wasn't like a, a full on pedicure and yeah. such, but it was. Sorry, that. I've got a thing about feet. It's not about pedicure. I have a thing about feet. Favorite. I don't get pedicures. When, when I was when I was in training and mm. when I worked in salon mm. as well as a, as a beauty therapist as a yeah. sort of all rounder, okay. pedicures were my favorite thing to do because you liked transforming. It sounds yeah. like you liked transforming yeah. things. Yeah. yeah, so they were my favorite things to, okay. and it also allowed me to like chit chat as well because I, yeah. I love chit chatting. <laughs> so, so as, I'd say this journey started well when I was a child okay. and sort of continued right up when I was at uni. I was still doing courses. I was always doing a course of some kind. Mm. Um, and so just sort of developing my skills. And then when I left uni and I went into working in the city, I remember once pissing off my boss because she didn't realize this, but I wanted to do a, um, a manicure course with OPI. I don't know if you know the yeah, brand yeah. OPI. And it was every Monday for six weeks. And you know how annoying that is if you work in investment banking for someone to have every Ooh. Monday for six weeks off? <laughs> but she didn't realize when she signed it off. So, so you're working in investment banking, okay? Yeah, but like I was like, you so that was my, your that was my day job, so to speak. Oh. I, I disliked it greatly, um, <laughs> and it was so crazy because she then signed it off, and then, and I was off for every Monday, and it was so annoying. It was because <laughs> for them it was better for you to take a week off than for you to. Sort of, oh, so, right. Um, and the fact that I was like, I don't care if you're pissed off. I was like, I don't need to be here, and that's like mm. the starting of. I need to move on and stuff like that. And I mean, we get on really well and we still get on really well. I ended up doing her wedding makeup for her because in the end she, she asked me to resign um, because I was wasted. She was like, you're not happy here. Um, So just 
you know, give me a long resignation period and then, you know, you can be free to go. And I did that. And um, I remember doing, a friend of mine was going to New York to do Fashion Week and I tagged along with her. Oh, cool. Obviously, I was working in Best Magazine because I had money. I could just do whatever I want. Well, I had no children. Yeah. My now husband was then my boyfriend. So mm. um, I could go wherever, basically. Mm. And I just did, I just remember investing so much in courses and learning and assisting and being an apprentice to so many people. Um, and then, yeah, and then I left, then I left, so I left investment banking mm -hmm. and I then decided I was going to do my full beauty qualifications. So I then decided I needed to save up some money for that though. So I then got another job after that summer and in investment banking again, but okay. more hedge fund management. Okay. They ended up making me redundant after six weeks, which is like an amazing godsend because I was going stir crazy. <laughs> I was just like, I cannot. It was a maternity leave cover as well. Right. It's like, has she had a baby yet? Is she coming back? Because I, I can't, you know. And <laughs> six weeks into the job, they made me redundant. I was like, oh my God, the universe answers prayers. Yeah. And everyone was like, oh my God, you lost your job. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and obviously it was the height of the recession so people were like can't believe you're so relaxed you've lost your job like, it doesn't bother yeah. me one bit yeah. so I went and I concentrated full blast I did all my MVQs at London College Beauty Therapy mm -hmm. um, after that I went into salon and worked for maybe a year and a bit, but I always had my side hustle. I've always been a side hustler. Okay. Um, doing my own clients at home and cool. going to them. Yeah. Um, because you can work in a salon. When you work in a salon, you have to work according to your salon owner's own ethos. Yeah. Beliefs, practices, the products they want to use. Yeah, and that yeah. Sort of stuff. And which is great for experience and is great for learning how to actually run a business. Mm -hmm. Because I find like nowadays everyone's like a boss, but yeah. no one has any sort of like business experience. <laughs> they don't know how to run a business. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so that was great. And I'm mean, obviously there's loads of aspects I didn't like, but when I look back at it, it was great sort of fertile learning ground. Mm, mm. Um, so I always had my own side hustle. Um, then I actually opened my own little one room clinic, which I was so poorly equipped to do. So poorly equipped. Um, I had <laughs> In no, what way? I had no, no business acumen. I, had, I was just, I'm a boss. <laughs> I was not. I was playing being a boss. Oh, gosh, and, yeah. Um, yeah, it folded very quickly. I was just like, oh, but, but also I had to move to the other side of London as well. So there's just no way I could have upkept it. Yeah. But it was, it was just great to let it go. I, yeah. I am a fail fast sort of person. Yeah, this yeah, isn't working, yeah. cut it loose. Let's yeah. move. Yeah. I, I feel no way bad about yeah, it at yeah. all. Yeah. Um, but I was so, when I think back now, I'm like, oh my God, I was terrible. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just I trying was. to picture it in your this little room and yeah, I was all were you marketing up. and yeah, I was marketing. I had my posters, everything. I was just like, <laughs> I, what am I doing? <laughs> this is so like, it was so bad. Yeah. But anyway, I let that go. I moved mm. on. Good fertile ground. Uh, I got more qualifications. I, I decided I wanted to specialize. I, I didn't sort of fall into the whole. I want to sort of. Um, work with black women and mm. elevate black women. I didn't fall into that for a long time. Mm. It's not until these sort of last, I'd say maybe five years or okay. so, when I've kind of realized how 
underserved black women are and how much I think black women deserve so much more in terms of provision. Mm. And not just in terms of provision but of service, but in provision in terms of thoughts and elevating the experience of black yeah. women. You know, you go to salons sometimes and you're waiting forever oh and the gosh. attitude is poor, the customer service is poor. And again, it's like, well, this is all we've got, so let's just manage it. Yeah. And I'm like not a managing mm. person. Mm. I'm all in or we're not doing it. So I, I do not do management. Um, and so that's how I fell into the mm. black women don't sometimes know what products are great for them. Um, how can I change that? Um, black women aren't always sure whether what a practitioner is saying is applicable to them. To them how can yeah. I change that? When magazine editors write, people tend to write in their own image. And if the magazine editors tend to be white, yeah. then they're going to write in their own image. So without yeah. even realizing it, they don't know that a black woman is that reading that great mm. article. Yeah. But, but thinking, in the back of their head, that's like, not for me. That's not for me. Yeah. And we have it here all the time where we, people come and say, it's great to see a clinic being run by a black woman. I feel so much safer because yeah. I feel like you're just going to understand yeah. what I'm saying. So this, and it's, I didn't think it was a thing. I, I was mm. never sort of like, you know, oh, you know, I must, I'm, I must dedicate my business to looking after. Yeah. No, I was but never it sounds like, like that. But I, I rate that because you learn everything. You've learned so much. Yeah. You learn about products. You learn about skin. You didn't set out to say, I'm going to open a clinic that's just for black women. No, I think you've learned so I much and then you, you're that. able to apply it yeah. to different clientele, yeah. which is the right Absolutely. way to do it. I'd go to training courses and, it's funny because I was at, I was at a training course last week in Paris. Again, it was that same feeling. I'd look around and go, "Where are all no, the black people? Yeah, yeah. Where are all the black practitioners?" You know. So even from a practitioner point of view, black practitioners are, are low on the ground. Mm. Um, so again, it was another. That's why I wanted to do Black Skin Direct as well to highlight not just um, not just practitioners who are amazing at looking after darker skin tones, but to also highlight black practitioners as well. Because again, it's like where. Is everybody? Is mm, everybody mm. sort of just busy in their corners, or no one wants to put their head about above the parapet to say, mm. "I'm great at looking." Up. You know, why don't you even want to say, "I'm great at looking after black skin"? I think in this country we're so sort of PC. Yeah. I love it how in America they're like these American doctors I met last week. They were like, um, "Yeah, I specialize in looking after skin of color," and that's yeah. like what they tell you. Yeah, Whereas yeah, here, yeah. We're sort of pussyfooting around, going, mm. "Well, we look, I look after everybody," <laughs> and it's like. And also, that's not even always the case, yeah. especially like for hair, for instance. I think there's a major issue in the hair industry. Like yeah. people don't even seem to realize as white salon owners, if you are trained in doing black hair, it's going to equal money well, in yeah, the bank. And that you, like, need to, you need to say that. We specialize yeah. in Afro, like get it out there, say it. Yeah, but there's, there's like a discomfort. Wrong. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with saying there is a discomfort. And I was greatly, in, when I was setting up Black Skin Irish, because I was so conflicted. I was like, oh my God, Black Skin Irish, are people mm, going to think? Should I call no. it black? Yeah. I don't know how many years you've been doing this, but obviously now you have your own space and you have become known as a woman that works specifically with black women. Is yeah, that something I'd you say, set I'd out to do? I think predominantly black women. I think there's just a slight turn of phrase there. Um, no, I, I did not set out to do that. And I think, um, but I have embraced it, especially. And I did feel conflicted at first mm. because I thought, oh, well, I, I don't want anybody to think that, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm listen, leaving them out. Leaving or... them out or I'm making this straight line demarcation to say like, if you are white, you cannot come <laughs> and see me. The 
the great thing is when you do your training, majority of the time, even right now, I know a lot of the training schools mm -hmm. do not sort of cover sort of the nuances of darker skin in great detail. So you, it's like when you, when you get trained to do hair, you get yeah. trained on, what, on, on Caucasian hair. Yeah. It's the same concept. And you concept. have to opt in to learn the yeah, other. Yeah, so if you want to sort of know more about black skin, uh, you have to right. opt in. It's, it's just... Again, it's that reflection of who is doing your training. Yeah. Um, so if you want to know more about black skin, you have to pull your finger out and, you know, go and get that training, which is another reason why, for example, Black Skin Directory, we set up our first training workshop for okay. practitioners, um, right from, say, your beauty salon practitioner to medical doctor practitioners who want to know more about black skin um, and, and not just sort of the nuances and how to treat it, but how to harness that extra knowledge they're going to gain to sort of impact their bottom line, basically. Mm. Um, because, you know, I think we said it before, it actually is a positive impact on your, on your finances yeah. if you can shout and say... I can look after black skin. I'm experienced as well. Because, again, black women will not necessarily know. If you don't say, yeah. I look after black skin, or I'm experienced looking after black skin, the assumption is that you don't. Yeah, yeah. So and so you're just losing money. So you're losing you're you're losing a a, a valuable va mm. a viable valuable income stream. Mm, mm. So, um. So I didn't, yes, I didn't set out to say I predominantly look after black women, but that is what's happened. And it's an actual, the more I, I am in this environment, the more I feel an actual honor and privilege doing it because of the feedback I get. Even up until last night, we, we had yeah. um, a client in here who was, like, who was just saying, it's so amazing to know that this, that someone like you exists in London. I'm like, Fantastic, great. I do obviously. I know there's other people like me that exist in London as well. Mm. But if you're not shouting about it, and I don't even think I shout about it, but if you're not no, actively you saying yeah. this is what I do or this is what I can do, then you're missing out. Yeah, and and you're not capitalizing opportunities. The question that I try and ask everybody, mm -hmm. um, even though I've already got a very common answer that seems to keep coming up. Mm. Um, is when do you feel you're most beautiful? Um, it's, it's really different on different times and points in my life. Um, sometimes I feel most beautiful and my daughter says, oh, mummy, you look lovely. Sometimes it's when my husband says, you look really nice. Um, but I think generally when I look into my life as to when I feel universally maybe the most beautiful, it's usually when I am free and when I'm feeling carefree. So it's usually when I'm at home and just chilling in my slacks mm. or on holiday with no communication from the outside world apart from my immediate family and maybe we're doing something fun, um, no makeup, just natural hair um, and just really chilling. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's when I will associate beauty in my life probably with feeling free yeah. in my life. So yeah. you think you're, obviously we've mentioned that you're quite an organized person and you've got different processes, mm. but is it like when you kind of come away from that? Yeah, when I come away from that and I have no obligations whatsoever, um, that's when, and I, and I don't have to feel put together or, or make any effort, you know, that's when I'm, you know, my brain is, 
shut down. The tabs are shut down. Yeah. <laughs> we yeah. have had a reboot. Yeah, that is when yeah. I feel most you know most at peace i, I associate mm. beauty with peace as well okay um it's, it's when i feel most peaceful yeah yeah which is oh, why i also good. wake up very early in the morning because it's when my my life is most peaceful yeah yeah with no distractions of two children a husband or you know male emails mm. or anything mm. like that it's mm. when i'm most peaceful Oh, yeah. well, thank you so much. No, thank you. Thank you. I've really enjoyed this. Me thank too. You. We can do a part two. Yeah, anytime. Uh, anytime. Brilliant. Anytime. I'm always game. Thanks for listening. Please do like, subscribe and review when you get the chance. It's so important for me to keep improving on this podcast. So I'd love a review. You can also follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Beauty Me Podcast. And I'd love it if you could take a screenshot and tag me when you're listening so that I can see what you think. Thanks again for listening.